Welcome back. Today we're continuing The Prisoner of Azkaban and diving into Chapter 3, The Night Bus. Mm-hmm. All right, so where we left off, Harry got really, really mad. He kind of blew up Aunt Marge um, like a balloon, not like ex- she didn't, he didn't explode her. He just made her float and make her, made her look like a balloon. And so then he just kind of packed his things and just left. Um, so that's where we kind of pick up. So he walks several streets before he just kind of like collapses. And then after like a few minutes, he starts panicking, which I'm like, it's a very real response with kids. You know, like they get really, really mad. They do something stupid and then mm-hmm. they start panicking. <laughs> yeah, and he starts thinking about all the consequences, you know. He just got letter last summer, and now he is in a place where he's like, oh, no, I sort of messed up because I just used magic again. They said they were going to expel me. Now I'm a criminal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just kind of a fair response. Like, he doesn't know if his aunt's okay, if she, like, floated up into the universe and died, like – he could be a genuine criminal. Right. And so, yeah, he's just like, you know, like, I'm gonna... Yeah, he's just fig- trying to figure out what's gonna happen to him, like, how it affects, like, all the people around him. Because, he, like, he starts thinking of Ron and Hermione. He's just like, they'd want to help, but, like, they can't help me because I'm a criminal now. Yep, and then he's like, and I can't, don't have any muggle money, so I can't, like, do anything to get where I need to go. And he's like, I have a little bit of wizard and gold. And he's just like, to get more, I would need to get to London. But I don't know how I'm going to get to London because I have no muggle money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets, he starts to get this idea that he could use his broom and his cloak of invisibility. Yeah, and just kind of like bewicks his trunk so it's light so that he can just kind of fly to London. Which, I mean, is pretty like, re- like reasonable problem-solving skills. Except for that they have a tracking spell on him if he uses magic. But I don't think he really understands the underage magic thing. I don't think so either. And I mean, even then for us, like, we don't learn about that until a lot later. Uh-huh. So, like, we're not even aware that, like, if he does magic, like, they're gonna track, be able to track him down. <laughs> but still, he's, he's sitting there, he's trying to solve his problem. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> before he, you know, he's like, before... The panic, and he's just like, oh, well, after I get the money, I'm going to need to be on the run. Like, <laughs> Yep. So he starts to go with this plan, and he suddenly feels a pr- funny prickling on the back of his neck that made him feel like he was being watched, which I think is super interesting because I don't know about you, but I don't ever feel like I'm being watched. I think sometimes I feel like I'm being watched, but it's usually like when I'm alone. So then I'm just even more confused because I'm just like, I'm in my house alone. Everything's locked up. Mm -hmm. Like, no one's outside my window. Like, no one's watching. No one's watching me. Yeah. Like, sometimes I get the sense of like Tyler sneaks down the stairs and Mm -hmm. like he's staring at me. Sometimes then, like, then I'm like, what is it? And I look around, then I see him and I'm like, "Uh, why? (laughs) yeah i don't and it could be that i just don't notice these things because like tess can be like can sometimes she's like straight up walked in the house locked the door and then like come up to talk to me and i don't notice that she's there (laughs) um i like to think i'm a little bit more comfortable in my own house than i am in the world but who really knows um 
but I never feel like I'm being watched. And especially because like, I feel like that would be a tough thing to feel like I teach. There's very frequently 20 people watching me. Right. That's my job. So am I just not very sensitive to it because people watch me all the time? Or is this something that like we just, a skill we pretend we have in books because it's convenient? Right. I mean, like it depends. I think it depends. Cause like if I'm walking in my room alone and then like, like sometimes you just get a sense, you're just like, and then you like look around and then you see someone like walking, like someone's like walking in and they just walked in quietly and I'm like, okay. Okay, I thought I, like, something was, it's like, I think it depends on the people, too. Like, mm-hmm. um, like, growing up, like, I was very aware of, like, my own actions and, like, the noise I make, you know? So, like, I walk really, really quietly. I scare a lot of people walking into rooms. Not intentionally. It's mm-hmm. just, like, it's, this is just a behavior I learned was just, I need to be, like, just to be able to get places, like, just be quiet. Mm-hmm. So, like, it could just be something like that, that kind of, like, hypersensitive, like, sensitivity to things where, like, it's just, like, you're just more aware mm-hmm. of your surroundings. Because I imagine, like, for people who have, like, experienced, like, a lot of trauma, they're probably, like, fully aware of when someone's watching them as well. Because they're just, like, that hypervigilance. <laughs> I will concede on this point. <laughs> Anyways, so, yeah, he feels like he's being watched, and so he's kind of, like, I don't know what it could be. I'm in the street alone, but he's, like, it's it's a big enough feeling. Yeah, so, you know, Harry's, like, kind of looking around. He's not seeing anything, but he's, like, he's got this really strong sense that he's being watched. So he reaches down, and he grabs his wand. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he kind of, like, sensed rather than heard it, he was mentioned. So I, I imagine, like... He had to have heard something like, so I'm like, I don't think you can like, with the whole being watched thing, you know, you're being like, you can feel you're being watched, but I don't think many people can pinpoint where they're being watched from. Mm -hmm. So, and I think sometimes like, I think it's like, sometimes when you wake up, you're not really sure what woke you up. And then all of a sudden you hear something. Mm -hmm. So like, it sometimes feels like something that we sensed rather than picked up with our senses. When we actually picked it up with our senses and just didn't... And our mind didn't really rein it in fast enough. Yeah. Um, so sees this... Um, notice it, like, figures out something in, in a little alley. And so he casts Lumos mm-hmm. to sit there and see. And he sees this outline of something really big with wide, gleaming eyes. And that's really all we get. <laughs> and then, bang! Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, cause like he stepped backwards and he fell and like, you know, flailed out and then there was a bang. And, uh, now there's this big triple decker bus in front of him. And, you know, like, it seems like the way it happened, he almost got ran over by this triple decker bus and it seems like bad practice ran over your testament. Right? Cause I mean, yeah, cause it's just there and it talks about like, he rolled back on the pavement just in time. So like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. How many wizards did they run over? <laughs> it's got to be more than one. There, it, it's got to be several. Because, I mean, like, if it sits there and it, it... Or was it just because Harry happened to be standing on the road? Uh, you know, it's probably that. Because it's... stand, It's... Hold out your wand. And I feel like most people know what they're doing when that happens. Right. Rather, Whereas Harry was, like, just trying to find something. 
Yeah. But I mean, like, also in a little bit, it sits there and talks about how the night bus just kind of does what it wants and it just goes everywhere. So, uh-huh. like, it could easily go on the sidewalk. Like, it could do that. But then maybe, maybe Harry fell because he was being moved out of the way. But maybe. Just like he, they move a farmhouse out of the way later. Yeah. Maybe. Many questions. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, Harry's now very confused at this point because, like, there's a random bus here now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the conductor kind of comes up and explains that, like, this is the emergency transport for the stranded witcher wizard. <laughs> and then another thing I think is really interesting is you see uh, Harry go, oh, he's just a couple years older than me, maybe 18 or 19. <laughs> Harry, you're 13. That's not a couple of years. Yeah, I've never th- seen a 13-year-old go, ah. Yeah, you're just a few years older than me, probably like eighteen. <laughs> yeah, no, you're like you're an adult to them, right? You're you're so much older in a child's eyes. I mean, I I have kids now who sit there and look at me, and they're just like, "What are you like forty? And I'm like, "No, <laughs> not even close." Like they can't tell age at all. <laughs> they're confused about each other's age. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I have a student. They're just like, how old is she? And I'm just like, the same age as she's like, she's like a year older than you, actually. And they're just like, what? They're so baffled by it. And I'm like, what what did you expect? <laughs> I have yeah. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, so yeah, the conductor we meet is Stan Shunpike. And Stan is confused at why Harry's lying on the ground. Harry's just like like, I just enjoy this interaction because I remember it in the movie as well. So I'm glad that they kept this little interaction. Uh-huh. It just makes it fun because he's just like, what are you doing down there? Uh, and the best part is, so me and my sister um, will sometimes reenact this scene. <laughs> like, just like the, just quote it for no good reason. Um, or like, when one of us will like, what did you do that for? The I didn't do it on purpose. And then, like, suddenly it's a Harry Potter quote, and she's like, ugh. Right? Yeah, like, if you can't recall, it's like, what are you doing down there? And Harry responds, I fell over. Like, what you fell over for? I didn't do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, then Harry remembers the thing, that he now is, like, um, he's, like, this big black thing like a dog, but masses. So, like, saw enough detail that apparently couldn't be described to us that is... Kind of dog shaped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, Stan's is like, all right. Well, what's your name? And Harry gives Neville's name because he's like, who remembers? I'm on the run. Probably shouldn't give my name because I'm famous. <laughs> so he gives Neville Longbottom's name. Yeah, because that's the first name that pops into his head. <laughs> and I just love that because I'm just like he, like he probably was tr- desperately trying to think of the most non-assuming person mm-hmm. he could think of. And that person was Neville Longbottom. <laughs> yeah. Which, fascinating. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Harry asks to go to London. Mm-hmm. And he gets this long speech about, like, oh, it'll cost this much if you just want to get there, if you want a hot a chocolate or a water bottle or a toothbrush. Then it'll cost this much instead. Uh-huh. And Harry's just like, oh, just let me get the money. Like, here. This is unnecessary. Right. Um, 
And so Stan kind of sits down and introduces him to the driver. And um, we get this, like, wonderful couple pages of the experience of being in the night bus, which Mm -hmm. does not sound pleasant at all. Because, And I'm very confused at how someone's, like, sleeping Uh next to him. Because, like, he's being flown backwards. um, And he kind of describes, like, it's like they don't. Just that the person doesn't really know how to drive because they're just kind of mm-hmm. zigzagging anywhere they want. And luckily, it's magic, so the things just kind of pop out of the way for them and then mm-hmm. go back when they leave, which is very convenient. Um, but yeah, so the yeah, stomach is churning, and then he kind of sees um, the daily profit that Stan's kind of looking at. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, hey, I know that guy. He was over the Muggle News. Yep, and then he gets to read this description mm-hmm. about Sirius Black. Yes. Yeah, about how he, like, escaped. We don't. They don't really know how he escaped and how he, Cornelius Fudge is being criticized by, like, telling the Muggles about him. And he's just like, all right, well, we had to. He's evading our capture. Like, mm-hmm. they should at least be warned because he killed, you know, like, 12 people really have just that kind of information that he's he's killed like 13 people with a single curse. He's Mm -hmm. escaped from Azkaban. He's at large. They can't find him. Gosh, sorry. I'm distracted. I wrote, uh, there was a comment from Ernie that it was earlier that I wanted to address. Um, I thought it was during this conversation, so I didn't bring it up. Um, which while they're talking about how the night bus is like popping around and like Harry's like, uh, there are muggles here? Like statue of secrecy, like what? And then he is also then kind of doing this what? And Stan goes them, Stan said said Stan contemptuously. Don't listen properly, do they? Don't look properly either. Never notice nothing. They don't. So, like, we later see Stan having some affiliation with Death Eaters. Um, and the, it's believed to be that he is with the Death Eaters because he's under the Imperious Curse. But he, you can already see just within that paragraph that Stan has some anti-Muggle leanings. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting given his future. Totally agree. Like, very kind of anti-Muggle talk. So, like, it could be of his own free will. And that's just what he was saying to get out of it. (laughs) I mean, and we do see Stan with kind of a glazed look. And that's why we think it's the Imperious Curse. Mm -hmm. But don't love that. No. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so then Harry kind of... uh, learns about some serious black and he's kind of asking Stan some questions about it. Just like, wait, what? Like he's like kind of confused and how, you know, serious black was a big supporter of Voldemort and, um, how, um, they kind of cornered him. And so he like blasted half the street and, that he laughed after he did it. And then he killed 13 people. 
Yeah. Which I wrote is better than Tom because Tom couldn't kill a baby. <laughs> because I can't not sass the Tom. Right. And there's also a point in here where Harry compares Sirius's visage to a vampire. Yeah. A vampire. Yeah. Like this is that he looks similar to the vampires he's seen in Defense Against the Dark Arts, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is crazy to me. Yeah. But, you know, that is a very interesting comparison, making it to vampires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it really shows the struggle that he's having with, like, Dementors. Like, I think that shows how bad Dementors really are, that we're seeing somebody who's been in there for a long time, and they look like a vampire. Right. <laughs> And that's that's with the stri- like mm-hmm. the like the just turning into a dog to avoid the dementors like to so he didn't even get the full brunt of it like <laughs> mm-hmm. and then just think Hagrid was there for two months Ugh, but yeah so he learns that you know like twelve he black killed like a dozen muggles and a wizard with the big blast and he was kind of laughing afterwards. Um, and how he's kind of mad and how, if he wasn't mad before he went to to Azkaban, he's mad now. And they kind of continue on to discuss how there's never really been a breakout from Azkaban before. And so they don't really know how he did it. And so, like, that's what's got everyone scared is because, like, they don't know how he broke out of this prison. Mm -hmm. So, like, how... Who's to say that they're not going to be able... He's not going to be able to, like, avoid capture forever. Right. Um, and, like, just kind of, like... Everyone kind of, like, also skirts around the Azkaban guards. Because that's all they're really referred to until we mm-hmm. first get a glimpse of one. Is they're just the guards of Azkaban. Yeah. And everyone's, like, terrified of them. Mm-hmm. And so, like, as Stan's kind of discussing this with Harry and Ernie, Harry's just thinking about how... You know, in a few nights, how Stan might be having a conversation like this with his future passengers about Harry. <laughs> Which I think is really interesting. Like, he's comparing blowing up, for real, like, Kapui, they're all dead, 12 people, to accidentally getting mad and blowing his aunt up like a balloon. Right. <laughs> and But, like, it does have him thinking, because he's just like, is this going to get him, like, because he did this, is he going to go to Azkaban? Mm-hmm. You know, and he's just like, he doesn't know anything about it, but everyone's terrified of this place. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, Hagrid was like, absolutely like frightened. And he's like, Hagrid's one of the bravest people Harry knows. <laughs> Which I love that. Like, that's so sweet. Yeah, that is so sweet. <laughs> um, And so finally, like all the other people have been dropped off. And so they're like, all right, well, where specifically in London do you want to go? Mm hmm. And Harry's like, all right, well, I want to go to Diagon Alley. And so he kind of gets out and he, Harry's like, all right, bye. But like Stan doesn't really take, like, listen to him Mm because he's staring at the door of the leaky cauldron Mm -hmm. where the minister of magic is standing (laughs) ominously. (laughs) Yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh Uh-huh. And he's just like, oh, thank God. Here you are, Harry. And like, now Stan's just like, wait. Harry? Harry? And then he's like, I knew he wasn't Neville! 
Right? And I love it because he's just like how he's like Stan kind of goes up on how he's hairy, but then like and like when he's talking to him, he keeps talking, tell, tell, calling him Neville, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think is funny because like he like kind of like pinpoints he like back and goes back and forth. <laughs> and I think it's interesting because then he's like I'm still calling to Harry what he decided he wanted to be called. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's not that hard, people. Anyway. Yeah. So. Fudge kind of like grabs him and they walk into the leaky cauldron and ask for a private parlor so they can kind of discuss. Um, and he kind of starts off that like, you know, Harry kind of had him all scared, mm-hmm. running away, but you know, you're safe now and that's all that matters. Kind of like Harry's just kind of like really cautious still at this point and he's just continues on. He's just like, don't worry, we've dealt with your aunt. We deflated her, erased her memories. It's all good. Um, and, like, Harry's still kind of, like, in shock at this point. Like, shocked and confused. He's just like, well, don't worry. Your aunt and uncle are very angry, but they agreed to take you back in the summer as long as you mm-hmm. stay at Hogwarts during Christmas and Easter. And Harry's just like, that's not going to be a problem. I always do that. Mm-hmm. Like, why would I want to go back? <laughs> and so then he's just like, well... Really, all that's left is to kind of decide how mm-hmm. to spend your last vacation, maybe staying here. And Harry's just like, wait, 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 wait. Finally wrapping his brain around it. He's just like, what about my punishment? Yep. And he's just like, what? And he's like, I broke the law. And and Fudge is just like, oh, we're not going to punish you for a little thing like that. It was an accident. We don't send people to ask you for blowing up their aunts. And Harry's just like, all right, well, but last year I got this letter for using underage magic because a house elf did magic in my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is fair. And also I think it's really interesting that the mis- Minister of Magic decided to come to call on this one himself. For so many reasons. Like, mm-hmm. we know that they're worried about Harry because serious whatever. Yeah. But why, still, why do you send the Minister of Magic? Like, send an or. Yeah. That, that yeah, you would send an or to find Harry and make sure he's safe. Not the Minister of Magic. Right? Especially because, like, Cornelius Fudge is... I mean, from what we see, isn't very useful. Like, he's just kind of there. And he should, like, he should be busy. Yeah. Tracking down this wizard. And also, especially if you're convinced that this wizard is after Harry. And we're like, ah, he killed lots of people. You should be sending your best Aurels out there. Like, this should be Kingsley. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And, yeah, I think it's when we get to this fight where I start getting annoyed with, like, Cornelius Fudge because he's just like, oh, well, circumstances change. And I'm like, you can't have it both ways. Nope. You either punish him for, like, doing the underage magic or you get rid of his previous offense, which wasn't even him doing magic. Yep. Like, you pick one. All right? You can't do one or the other just because now he's in danger. Yeah, like, and... It leads to ultimately this big issue for him in the future where he's essentially a double standard for everything. And then he also doesn't know what the consequences are going to be. And he understands that it's still bad and that this is an exception. But, like, then what if the next one's also an exception? Because, well, then what? You know? Like, you need to figure out your stuff. Right. Especially because I'm like, like, it was a household that did the last one. Like, and they probably know enough to sit there and know that it was a house elf that did the magic, not Harry. You know? Mm-hmm. So just like, why even in the first place would you like 
give him that warning. Mm-hmm. And then, like, if you're going to sit there and make it fair, just be like, all right, well, since the house elf did that, this is technically going to be your first defense. Don't do it again. Like, yep, super easy. Super easy. Would have been fair. Nothing would have changed. Uh-huh. <sighs> but, yeah, so... Um... Fudge is just like, well, you know, like, it's change. You don't want to be expelled, do you? And he's, Harry's just like, well, obviously not. And he's like, perfect. Problem solved. <sighs> Fudge. And then he gets him set up in room 11. Yes. Um, and, you know, like, at this point, Harry's kind of confused at, like, why, you know, like, I think the Minister of Magic has the, come to call him. The Minister of Magic is here. Like, why they're being so careful with him, where he's just like, I've been able to kind of do whatever I wanted. Up until this point, really? Like, I'm so confused. And he's just like, well, we don't want to lose you. Best know where you are. Um, and, you know, and then Harry's just like, oh, have you had any luck with this prisoner? That's how, because, like, that's all Harry knows. And, like, Fudge is kind of like, oh, no, no, you've heard. Oh, it's only a matter of time. Um, like, right? <laughs> Which it should be, like, typical small talk for you right now, sir. Yeah, right? Should be a question you're asked frequently. Um, and at this point, Harry's also like has another idea. He's just like, Can you give me permission to go to Hogsmeade? Which is so sweet. Yep. Like, and he's just like, Ah, no, I'm not your parent or guardian. He's like, You're the minister of magic. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just like, Sorry, but rules are rules. All right, but rules weren't rules earlier. Like, a page earlier, sir. <laughs> and I feel like that one could have also just been handled so much easier. Like, I respect that I'm the Minister of Magic. I still can't give you permission because I'm not your parent or guardian. If I start giving out permission for things like this, it sets an un, an un, unacceptable precedent that I can I will waive mm-hmm. the rules in other ways. Like, it would have been so much easier. And then there was also the really easy solution of being like, all right, that's a good point. You shouldn't be punished for a house elf, so this will be your first warning. Like, so many reasonable things that could have been done that weren't because he's incompetent. He's incompetent. Thank you. I, I was thinking of much meaner words. <laughs> but yeah, so Harry kind of gets taken up to his room after this point, and there's Hedwig. Very smart owl. Still very confused at how she knows. Mm-hmm. How does she know about this? Um... But anyways, he's just like, it's been a really weird and long night, and he just kind of goes to sleep. And that's the end of chapter three. So we wanted to get your input. We are going to be making a special episode for the one-year anniversary of our first podcast, and we wanted to get your, our listeners, input on what our special episode could be. So you can always email us, message us on Facebook, Twitter. And in case you're looking for those things, they're always in the podcast description for every episode at the bottom. So you can find all of the ways to contact us down there. And we love to hear from you guys. Next week, we're going to come back with chapter four, The Leaky Cauldron.